What's up, everybody? My name's Sam, and I'm here to talk some MMA. We just finished UFC 281. Amazing card. It was at Madison Square Gardens past Saturday. So many big names on it, and so many finishes. It actually broke the record for the most first-round finishes on one card. And I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the results of the main card, what I think the main factors were to each fight, each win, and where the fighters go from here, the winners and the losers. So I'll start from the top. I'll take it to the main event. We had Israel Adesanya trying to defend his middleweight title versus longtime rival Alex Perea, and he was unsuccessful. Alex Perea did end up getting a TKO over Izzy in the fifth round, and this fight was insane. If you missed it, that's a bit unfortunate because this fight was crazy, but hopefully you saw some good highlights. Hopefully you heard what happened, and if you were lucky enough, you would have seen it live because, man, it was good. Izzy actually started off really strong. You know, right off the start, you saw the two guys in there, and Alex looked big. Pereira was way bigger than Izzy. You know, he looked taller. He looked thicker. He looked wider. I mean, he just looked like he had a good size advantage, and that's unusual. Usually we see Izzy in there, and he looks bigger than his opponents, or maybe he looks a bit, you know, lankier, but taller and longer, and, you know, he definitely gave up some size here. He was definitely the lighter fighter in there, too, and he started out really strong, actually. First round was close, but at the very end, literally in the last, you know, five to ten seconds, Izzy clipped Pereira, and he hurt him bad, and he was wobbly going back to his corner. Okay, so it looked like Izzy was going to have the fight. It looked like he was going to come out second round, maybe put him away. Second round comes out, and Perea does better. He recovers, and it's a really close round. I gave it to Perea, but, you know, it was just really close. Nothing too crazy happened, but he recovered a bit. Third round comes out. Izzy manages to get Perea down, and we find out Perea does not have basically any grappling skills on the ground. Okay, he's Got a good frame, he's pretty strong, so it was kind of hard to get down, but once Izzy did get him down, he couldn't get up really. I mean, I think he got up maybe at the very end of the round, but Izzy kind of had his way with him, and Izzy's by no means, you know, a, an amazing wrestler. So, really showed some weaknesses there, but he did survive to the end of the round without getting finished or submitted. Fourth round comes out, and everyone thinks Izzy is, you know, maybe just going to go for another takedown. Seems like an easy way to win. Prey even seemed tired at the end of the third round after all that grappling. And, you know, even in the start of the fourth round, Prey really wasn't throwing anything. Izzy was throwing punches, and, you know, the whole fight previously, Prey on the feet had been putting the pressure on Izzy, backing him up against the cage to land some shots. Fourth round at the start, though, Izzy was able to back up Prey, and he was able to land some shots without worrying about getting countered much because Prey just seemed tired, seemed like the fight was going to be a done deal. Towards the end of the fourth round, however, Perea recovers a bit. He lands some good strikes on Izzy. He seems to be, you know, a bit fresher, not completely done and out, but still pretty close fight. Going into the fifth round, Izzy was winning on the scorecards, okay? If it had just gone to decision, he would have won, regardless of the outcome of the fifth round. Uh, he was ahead, you know, 3-1 on, on most scorecards, and it started out pretty close, but Izzy just started to look really tired. You know, he did attempt some takedowns in the fourth round and the fifth round to try and get Perea down again, but he really showed he has no offensive takedown ability whatsoever. Okay, he looked like, you know, he went for a body lock, and it looked like he could go for a simple trip, and he seemed to not know how to do a simple trip. He held on to Perea a bit, and they tried to, like, bring him towards him and kind of 
trip him, you know, going the wrong way instead of just sticking out his leg behind Perea's ankle or his heel and, you know, trying to trip him that way. At points, Izzy just tried to, you know, grab like a single leg and pick him up, but Perea's like 220, okay? He cuts a lot of weight to make 185, and he had easily about 20 pounds on Izzy, so I think Izzy really gassed himself out with his poor takedown ability. I mean, he, he attempted all these, you know, single leg, he picked Perea up a couple times, None of those attempts worked out in actually getting Perea down. And he started to look more tired, and Perea looked like he was still hanging in there. And he started throwing more shots. He was putting the pressure on Izzy again. He was able to back Izzy up to the cage again, and he just started landing. And he landed some clean ones. Izzy clearly got hurt, got wobbled, and Perea kept putting on the pressure. And after a few more shots, uh, Mark Goddard, the ref, ended up stepping in as a TKO. Uh, Izzy at first kind of protest, protested, and I thought it looked a bit early at first, an early stoppage, but after the replay, I think it was a good stoppage. Perea had Izzy hurt, and he had kind of dropped him once. Izzy got hurt near the cage, and he kind of stumbled over and then you know got back up, but he was still running alongside the cage. He wasn't putting his hands up to defend himself. He wasn't throwing counter strikes. He was trying to just dodge the shots going left and right, and he was getting clipped while doing that. And he wasn't shooting a takedown attempts or trying to clinch or anything. I mean, it really looked like he did have no answer and not properly defending himself against the shots by Perea. And Perea got the TKO win, you know. So it was a crazy fight. Uh, pretty big upset, not only because Izzy has been a longtime champion and he was the favorite, but he was winning the fight. You know, it was kind of similar to how Usman just lost to Leon Edwards. When if it had gone to decision and Leon didn't get that finish in the fifth round, Usman would have still been the champion. So kind of a similar situation here. Again, I, th I think Izzy, he looked good up until the end of the third round, starting out in the fourth, you know, is when his whole strategy with doing some clinch work and grappling, it just didn't work out. Okay, his clinches didn't lead to takedowns, they were kind of stalling. Perea ended up landing some good shots when they were in the clinch together. I feel like Izzy, you know, at the end of the first round, he hurt Perea just striking, just with punches. Okay, hit him with a clean one-two that wobbled him. And so he could have just kept boxing, I think. I really, I, I don't know. It was weird. Um, he did find great success grappling in the third round because once he got Perea down, Perea was like a turtle on his back. Okay, he was in big trouble. Couldn't get out of a simple wrist lock. But, you know, the strategy for Adesanya going into the, the late of the fourth round and the fifth round, I think really tired him out. But, you know, good win on Perea. I mean, he's had an incredible run to the title, right? It's it's just his fourth UFC fight. Um, he really didn't fight many top contenders. He fought strong, Sean Strickland. But other than that, he got pretty fortunate because his best matchup in the top five of the division was the champion, Israel Adesanya, okay? Someone who's not going to just come out and grapple him. So he was able to get his best matchup and also the championship fight without having to fight any of these top contenders. You know, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, even guy like Paulo Costa. He was able to just kind of skip through all of them because Izzy had already cleaned out the division and, you know, fight the champ in a great matchup because Izzy's used to being the longer fighter and, you know, distant striker staying on the outside. And Perez used to find kickboxing and... You know, Izzy couldn't be the longer fighter here, and Prey got, for the most part, a kickboxing match. So, you know, good on him. 
Uh, great win by him. Great comeback win. You know, we really thought after the first round he was in big trouble, and after the third round, gassed. But he managed to recover and preserve his energy, especially in the fourth round. He really, you know, was very patient, preserves his his energy, his cardio. And the fifth round, he ended up getting a TKO over the, the guy that no one's been able to figure out too well. So great win by him. Um, where they go next, I think the obvious answer is we're going to say rematch. Israel Adesanya, regardless of what you think of him, you know, some people think he's a bit boring or he, you know, talks a lot of trash or he's kind of cringe. But regardless of what you think of him, he has been a champion for a while. Okay, there hasn't been a new middleweight champion in years. And he's fought every name. I mean, he's been very active. You know, they, they kept referencing a stat during the card saying that since he became champion, Izzy has, you know, main evented 20% of, like, title fights, or main event 20% of UFC cards that had title fights, pay-per-views. He's been super active. I mean, that's one in five, you know, pay-per-view headliners you see Israel Adesanya. So he's been fighting the top names. He's been fighting the toughest competition. He even called out Perea, who he had lost to twice in kickboxing. You know, he's pretty fearless in that regard. He will fight anyone, you know, regardless of how you think he fights once he's in there. He'll take any matchup. He doesn't cherry pick. He doesn't dodge people. And he's had a lot of wins under his belt in the UFC. Some have been pretty exciting. Some have been, you know, not so exciting decision wins. But a lot of wins, you know, nonetheless. So he's deserving, as of anyone, for a rematch, an immediate rematch. And I think that's the obvious play. Again, not only has he been a great champion, but he was winning this fight for, you know, almost the entire fight. He won just about every moment. Uh, Prey had some moments in between, even before the fifth round, but nothing too crazy. Izzy definitely had the better moments. So we're going to see a rematch. And I really want to talk about actually what's going to happen after that rematch, okay? Again, Alex Prey, you know, great win by him. He's clearly a good striker. Although Izzy did piece him up in the first round, he's not just, you know, levels above Adesanya, but he's a great striker, but man, his grappling, if you can get him down, he's in big trouble. I never knew that, everyone expected that, he hasn't been training MMA for very long, he's only been in the UFC for a year, he just happens to be the champion now. But after this Israel Adesanya rematch, you know, I think if he beats Izzy again, which again, would be great on him. Um, he's then going to have to fight another contender, okay? I think if he loses to Izzy, there's a chance we could see an immediate trilogy fight, but I don't know. It really depends on how the fight goes. I think if we see the rematch between Izzy and Perea, and Izzy dominates, I don't think Perea, Perea gets an immediate rematch, but I think maybe if it's really close and Izzy gets a very close or even controversial win, we could see an immediate trilogy if there's no other you know, top contender names with enough kind of star power and hype to get the match instead. But I think there's a good chance that Izzy beats Perea and then fights a different contender. Okay, there's a good chance that even if Izzy wins, we don't see an immediate trilogy. So Israel, after fighting Prey again, there's a good chance he fights another contender. Okay, whether he beats Prey or loses, he's going to have to fight another guy and... There's not too many names in the top 10 that he hasn't fought, okay? So he could just be looking at some rematches. Maybe Sean Strickland can get another win or, you know, someone can kind of come up, but 
he's beat a lot of the top names there. Okay, those guys have kind of remained. The ones he's already beaten, some he's beaten twice. For Pereira, though, he hasn't fought anybody in the top five. Okay, besides Adesanya now. So, if he gets this rematch versus Izzy, and whether he wins or loses that, there's a good chance he gets thrown in there with the likes of Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, Paulo Costa, Jared Cannier, and he's going to be in trouble, okay? Because although he got the belt, again, these other fighters can really expose his grappling weaknesses. Okay, Izzy's pretty good with defensive grappling and, you know, getting back to his feet, not getting taken down, but his offensive grappling, we learned, was pretty bad. Okay, his takedowns are horrible, basically non-existent. And once he's on the ground, you know, he looked decent. He definitely looked better than Perea. You know, he was able to keep him down, but by no means, you know, super good wrestler. So when Perea gets matched up against another top five fighter that actually has some offensive wrestling abilities, he's going to be in big trouble, okay? And if he does beat Izzy again, that's now a great chance for all these under, other contenders to try and get the championship, okay, to try and get the belt. Because if they rematch Izzy and Perea, and Perea beats Izzy, well, now you slide Robert Whitaker in there, and he's probably going to dominate Perea, probably do a lot of takedowns and grapplings and, you know, different techniques. He's probably going to dominate, and now he's the champion again. And then maybe, you know, Izzy fights him. Or maybe Marvin Vittori gets another win, and he fights Perea. Again, he'll probably just take Perea down, and he's tough as nails, Vittori. You know, he won't get knocked out early on by Perea. So... You know, these guys have great matchups. I'm, if I'm someone in that division and I'm in the top five, even the top ten at middleweight, I'm hoping Perea beats Izzy in the rematch, and then you can get a towel shot against Perea instead of getting a towel shot against Izzy, okay, because Izzy's a harder fight. Uh, the only downside to this is, you know, is new to MMA and the UFC. He is training a lot. He is getting better grappling over time. Okay, he's got a lot of work to do. But Izzy started out the same way early on. You know, he actually fought Marvin Vittori way before he was champion. And Marvin Vittori gave him a lot of trouble in the clinch and, you know, with takedowns and grappling. So he got much better by the time he actually became champion. So the more time that Alex Pereira can just fight Israel Adesanya and then have, you know, those couple months, you know, maybe up to six-month gap periods between fights, he's going to be improving his grappling, okay? So he's going to get more well-rounded and better from here. So if you're Robert Whitaker or Marvin Torrey, you know, they have the best chance of beating him right now. If they fight him in six months or a year, it's going to be significantly harder. It doesn't mean they can't do it. It doesn't mean, you know, their grappling won't be good enough to take down Perea and control him. But it's going to be significantly harder, okay? So that's going to be interesting to see because timing does matter. And Perea might have a lot of time to actually improve on his weaknesses um, before he fights another contender. Okay, before he fights someone else, highly ranked middleweight outside of Israel Asanya. So, again, I'm expecting an immediate rematch here. And after that rematch, it'll be interesting to see if Perez sticks around and who he fights and how he can deal with some higher level grappling and, you know, just well-rounded fighters in the top of the division. For Israel Asanya, he's going to get the immediate rematch. And then, you know, maybe we see a trilogy, but maybe we just see him find another contender, and we really need some more top contenders in the division. Sean Strickland was kind of making his way up, but he lost to Perea. And other than that, you know, Izzy's beat Whitaker twice, he's beat Cannoneer, he's beat Vittori twice, he's beat Derek Brunson, he's beat Paula Costa. 
you know, that's the top six of the division. So, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to find a new name, and that's the only reason I think they might run back a trilogy. There's just no one else to fight for Adesanya. Okay, or he tries changing weight again, but that didn't go so great the first time. All right, so taking it down to the co-main event, we had Carla Esparza attempting to defend her belt against Weili Zhang, and she was also unsuccessful, okay? Zhang came out, and, you know, we know Zhang's a powerhouse. She was a huge favorite to win here, even though Carla was the champion, just because we saw how Carla won the belt, and we know how good Zhang is. And we thought, I thought, that Zhang, first round, might have to be a little bit patient, you know, definitely put the pressure on, throw some strikes, but really look to defend takedowns, okay? Look to defend the grappling. But at some point, I thought Zhang would have to look to put on the pressure, go all out on striking without getting tired, because if she did get too tired, that would be Esparza's chance to come in, grapple her, you know, and just kind of lay on top of her for the rest of the fight. But this fight ended up ending in the second round, and Zhang actually submitted Carla Esparza. You know, no one really expected this one, uh, but Zhang was really strong. And I did think her strength was going to kind of negate and counterbalance Carla Esparza's wrestling abilities. You know, Esparza is definitely the more credentialed grappler and better, you know, technique-wise. But Zhang is really strong. I mean, she's so athletic. She's so powerful. I thought Carla was going to have a hard time getting her down. Or if she did get her down, Zhang could just kind of get back up, at least in the early rounds while she's fresh. But Zhang ended up you know, staying in, the, in these grappling exchanges, and Carla went to take a shot on her. Zhang defended it well. She sprawled. But then she kind of kept in the mix, and when Carla went to kind of grab her leg, Zhang ended up taking her back. She got like a back crucifix, and she tied up Esparza's right arm with her legs. And Zhang ended up wrapping her arm around Esparza's neck, neck and then finishing the choke. So, you know, she ended up choking out the wrestler. I mean, it was a very impressive win. Again, people expected Zhang to win. It was not an upset that she won, but it was pretty impressive how she won. People thought Zhang was just going to come out and beat the crap out of Carla on the feet, right? Just punch her in the face, kick her in the face, kick her in the stomach, beat her up. Okay, it's going to be brutal. But she ended up showing her grappling is continuing to improve, and she's willing to fight these people everywhere. Okay, she's finding the best in the world. She will fight them anywhere. And she's good. She is well-rounded. Okay, she's dangerous on the feet and on the ground, and this fight proved it. So where does she go from here? Well, Rose Lama Yunus does have two wins over Zhang. There's a good chance you throw in Rose again. Uh, Carla did not defend her title, and she's not the most exciting, so she's not going to get an immediate rematch. She's probably going to fight someone else in the top five. You know, who it is. I don't know. We'll have to see. But there's a good amount of names in there that she hasn't fought in the top five and top ten. So she's got some good matchups. But for Zhang, again, she probably fights Rose. Rose is a huge fan favorite, too. And if not, you know, there's Amanda Lemos in there. Um, even looking to Marina Rodriguez if she can get another win. And we'll see. You know, we'll really see how it plays out. But unfortunately, with this mix-up, there's not too many new names. We might just see Zhang and, and Rose again. But their fights were exciting, so it's not the worst, not the worst matchup to have. But it's kind of another division where the top five is kind of people who have been in the mix. You know, it's not as fresh as some of the other divisions where it's always mixing up the top contenders. All right, then we had Dustin Poirier 
defeating Michael Chandler by rear naked choke. I mean, no one saw this one coming. Okay, Dustin Poirier was a favorite here to win this fight, and people thought there was a good chance he could get a finish over Michael Chandler on the feet, okay, by knockout or TKO, because his boxing's pretty crisp, and Michael Chandler has been hurt before. Some fights he looks really durable. Some fights, you know, he really gets rocked, and he looks to have a hard time recovering, especially if he gets tired. But this fight was really good. I mean, the first round coming out, Dustin ended up hurting Chandler at the end of the round. And Chandler looked to be saved by the bell a little bit. Then the second round comes out, and Chandler ends up getting Poirier down, which I thought would be his game plan all along. You know, I thought he could look to take down Poirier, knowing some of Poirier's grappling weaknesses, and just control him most of the fight. But he really came out for that in the second round, landed some good punches, took Poirier down, and controlled him for most of the round. And the third round comes out, you know, they're just fighting, throwing big punches. You know, it's not technical. It's kind of, you know, sloppy. They're just throwing haymakers, okay? They're trying to get each other out of there, take each other's heads off. And Chandler ends up doing a huge takedown, picking Poirier up, trying to kind of slam him. And Poirier ends up reversing it and ending up on Chandler's back. You know, Chandler's pretty tired at this point. It was a very, very high-paced fight. And Poirier ends up getting Chandler's back. He gets uh, a body triangle in, okay, locked on really tight. And I thought this could be bad for Poirier. We've seen Chandler before have some really, really high-level jiu-jitsu guys on his back. He's so good at just turning around into them and then being on top, okay, and then ending up in their guard. He's so good at that. We've seen it time and time again. We saw it against Oliveira. Oliveira had his back, you know, just turning into him. And if you can do that against Charles Oliveira, you know, you can do that basically against anyone. But Poirier stayed really low on Chandler, and he was kneeling, so he couldn't really get up for a big slam. And got that body triangle again, and Chandler was really tired, and he's got a big midsection. So that body triangle, I'm sure, it was tight, and it was hurting. And he ended up locking in the choke, and Chandler tapped. So this is the first time Michael Chandler has been submitted, and, he, and it was by getting choked out versus Dustin Poirier, who lost his title fights um, by getting rear naked choke so you know it's kind of kind of ironic uh pretty crazy Dustin Poirier adds another great name to his resume and another great finish and it's his first submission in a long time so you know great fight it was fight of the night so exciting it was only three rounds but you know that allowed them to fight at such a high pace so where do they go from here this one's tough to say Dustin Poirier is very popular he has a lot of fans but he has fought for the title twice, and he used to be an interim champion. And he does not match up well against Islam Mahachev, okay? No one in that top five really matchups too well against Mahachev, except maybe Benil Dariush. So I don't know what you do with Poirier. He might call for a title shot, but again, that's a tough fight. He cannot really like that matchup too much. Not saying he wouldn't take it, but he knows that's not a favorable matchup. And he's fought Oliveira, lost Oliveira, he's beaten Gaethje, he's now beaten Michael Chandler. You know, I don't think he fights Dariush, I don't think Dariush has enough name value. Maybe he fights Fazeev, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where Poirier goes from here. You know, he's talked before about fighting some names at 170, but the top of 170 division is all grapplers, basically. Except for Leon Edwards, the champion. So, you know, there's not too many great matchups for him at the time, actually. Unless he just 
goes for a rematch. Or again, you get the title shot versus Islam, but Islam's going to fight Volkanovski. You're going to be waiting on that. And then there's just other names in the mix. So we'll see where he goes from here. I don't know how many fights he has left in his career. You know, he definitely looks good still. He was very durable in that fight. He took a lot of hard shots. Michael Chandler has some great moments in this fight, but I don't know when, you know, he's planning to call quits, how long he stays around for. You know, so we'll have to see. I really don't have a great prediction for who Poirier fights next. Maybe you do a Justin Gaethje rematch. That's maybe the most exciting fight he can have, or Oliver rematch. I don't know. It's hard to say. Michael Chandler's in the same boat a bit. You know, he's had only exciting fights in the UFC. But his two wins are over Dan Hooker, who also won on this card, but, you know, is, is ranked a bit lower and had kind of a losing streak. And Tony Ferguson, who is still, unfortunately, on a losing streak. And then other than that, you know, he had close fights with now Poirier, Gaethje, and Oliveira, but he lost them. Okay, Ch- Chandler lost to all those top guys. He hasn't actually beaten anyone in the top five. But he is still very exciting. And he's a huge name in the division because of how exciting he is and how he fights. Super popular. So I don't know who he fights next either, right? He's a guy like Poirier where even though Michael Chandler's not coming off a loss, you don't really see him fighting down too much, at least not fighting an unknown guy just because of how exciting he is. The UFC is going to want to match him up against other big names who they think match up well stylistically. Maybe you do a rematch for Chandler too. You know, maybe he gets either Justin Gaethje rematch, which was a fight of the year, or a Charles Oliveira rematch, which was also a very exciting fight. Okay, Oliveira and Chandler, both guys had their moments in that fight before Chandler got finished. So maybe you do that. Maybe you do Chandler versus Fazeev. You know, I think they're going to look to give Chandler a very exciting fight. I think he probably stays at 150 as well, 155. And... You know, he's in the weird mix where, again, he's just popular, too popular to fight an unknown, but not on a winning streak to fight, you know, for the belt. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it ends up. Um, you might just see Michael Chandler, does Poirier, Oliveira, and Gaethje kind of keep fighting each other. Okay. This division has does have a lot of mix-up, but unfortunately the new guys coming up, just haven't built that much name value yet. Okay, it's these guys that have been at the top that are really the, the very popular fighters. Except for Islam. He's newer, obviously, but now he's the has the belt. He's the champion, and he's booked. He's going to be fighting Volkanovski. And uh, none of these top guys seem to match up very well stylistically against him. So, you know, not too much hype behind those. But we'll see where they end up. Porian Chandler, they're always great to watch. All right, then we had... A bit of a sad fight, you know, Frankie Edgar taking on Chris Gutierrez. We did know beforehand that it was Frankie Edgar's last UFC fight. And he was, you know, last find the contract, going to retire after this. And he came out and he ended up getting uh, KO'd in the first round. Chris Gutierrez was on a great winning streak, by the way. He's making his way up in the Bantamweight division. Uh, he timed a beautiful knee on Frankie. And it just right away dropped him, put him out. Um, you know, it didn't look as vicious as the Corey Sanhagen knee on Frankie Edgar, but, you know, he did time it well, and Frankie Edgar was out. Chris Gutierrez, very professional, didn't do any follow-up shots. Okay, you could tell Edgar was out cold. He didn't look to land any more punches on the ground. So, good on him. 
It was a good fight while it lasted. Chris Gutierrez looked really good. He looked fast, clearly had a speed advantage. He was moving around, looked very fluid, very comfortable in there. And again, you know, Frankie Edgar, that's the biggest name that he's fought so far. He's at Madison Square Garden. There's a lot of pressure on this guy, okay? And he performed well. Okay, he wasn't he didn't start too slow. He didn't look like he had to warm up too much. He came out, he moved around, and he started landing pretty early on. Landed some good leg kicks. Sometimes he did, you know, straight jab, land that clean, followed by a leg kick. I mean, he was picking Edgar apart basically, you know, after the first 30 seconds. So it was kind of only a matter of time, but he ended up getting that finish in the first round. Edgar was a bit disappointed, of course, but unfortunately that's how many fighters go out. You know, they go out a string of losses. Often it's a string of knockout losses. So Edgar's had a great career, uh, but I think we are all happy to see that was his last fight because kind of sucks to see an old veteran, especially someone who everyone likes, very popular, has been well-liked for years, and a former champion, just seeing them get knocked out again and again. You know, it's kind of nice how Jose Aldo went out where, yeah, he'd taken some tough losses, but even towards the end, you know, he was beating some good names, and he really kept a lot of contenders down, you know, from getting a title shot. He beat them up, so, you know, he kind of went out well, but most fighters don't go out that well. Uh, most fighters more look like how Frankie Edgar's going out, but he was able to give a post-fight interview, talk to Joe Rogan on the mic a bit. So, you know, he was he was pretty classy, obviously disappointed, but... You know, we wish, wish him the best of luck, and it would be nice to see that he's retiring. Hopefully he doesn't go to Bellator or One or any organization. You know, I'm sure they'd be willing to pay him, but, you know, just for brain health, he went so long in his career without ever getting knocked out, and now he's had like five knockouts, losses, and three in a row, basically. Three kind of bad ones. He's been knocked out cold. These haven't just been TKOs, you know what I mean? So... Hopefully he stays out of the fight game, <clears throat> maybe coaching and such, but not actually fighting. For Chris Gutierrez, you know, this was his big shot, and he took the opportunity, and he looked great. You know, he actually wasn't ranked. Um, kind of surprising. He was on, like, a seven-fight win streak already, and he didn't have a ranking next to his name. But he was on the come-up. People knew he was on the come-up, so that's how he got this shot. So now, you know, anyone in the top 15 really is fair game for Chris Gutierrez. There's so many names in there. He could fight, you know, other up-and-comers like Jack Shore, Song Yudong, or he could fight some guys who've been around a while, which which is what I think is more likely. You know, you got Pedro Munoz in there. We got Ricky Simon in there. There's a lot of names. Okay, even Dominic Cruz, although maybe that's a bit too early. Dominic Cruz may need one more fight to get a, a shot like that. And then, you know, Rob Font's in there. So there's a ton of names in Bantamweight. The division is pretty fresh. It's circulating, you know, the top five even the top 10, so he'll be coming up, and he's exciting, he's very well-rounded, he has good strikes, good striking, and good grappling, you know, we'll see where he goes, but great win here, Madison Square Garden again, this was his moment, and he shined, good on him. Alright, last fight I'm going to cover was the first fight on the main card, we had Dan Hooker fighting up-and-comer Claudio Puelles, you know, this fight had a lot of eyes on it because Dan Hooker has hit a rough patch recently. But we know he's not too old. He's not close to retiring. He jumped down to 145 again. 
had that Allen loss where he didn't look great. Now he's back at 155. You know, he's kind of just trying to get his groove back. You could tell he probably lost a bit of confidence. He wasn't sure where he belonged, where he was best, questioning himself a bit. So Hooker ended up getting a second-round finish over Claudio uh, via body kicks, essentially. And Claudio had a weird game plan here. You know, he didn't look super comfortable in there. Again, Madison Square Garden, a lot of attention on you, a lot of eyes. And from the start, he didn't look very comfortable or fluid. He looked tense and nervous. Okay, so I think that did play a bit of a factor. But, you know, he's, he was coming off a string of knee bar wins. And he's a bit of a submission expert, especially knee bar and leg locks. And he really went full Damian Maya and just shot a bunch of takedowns. And he mainly did a bunch of Iminari rolls trying to get to Dan Hooker's leg. In the first round, it worked out fairly well, it seemed. He did get Hooker down. It looked like he had his leg. It looked like he was going to maybe finish the fight in the first round. And Hooker was in a bit of trouble. But obviously, you know, Dan knew what was coming. He knew this guy was going to just roll and try to get his leg. He was very well prepared. He has decent grappling, okay? I know he got kind of whooped by Islam, but so did everyone. And, you know, Hooker looked good here. His defensive uh, wrestling and you know, his jiu-jitsu abilities looked good. He didn't look like he was ever about to get submitted in terms of, you know, his facial expressions. Looked like he was in pain. He defended well, even though at times it looked like his leg was in pretty deep. And he ended up getting out, and then he just picked apart Claudio on the feet, especially in that second round. I mean, he was just hitting him over and over. Claudio was just shooting endless takedowns. It really didn't throw many strikes. Um, he threw strikes a couple times and actually landed well on Hooker because Hooker was just expecting a takedown. So, you know, again, Claudio, I think he was nervous. First big opportunity in a fight like this. I think the pressure got to him. Didn't have a great game plan, okay? And he... He looked just like a one-trick pony, and Dan Hooker knew the trick. Okay, He knew how to avoid it and how to get the job done, and he did. He landed tons of kicks to the body. I mean, he was just hitting him over and over right in the solar plex. So, you know, good on him. And it was nice to see Dan Hooker get a win here and a finish. Okay, It was really nice to see. I'm sure he's happy. Again, this was at 155 again, so it does seem like this is his best weight class. Where he goes from here, you know, we'll see. He has fought a lot of the top names in the division. Unfortunately, he has lost most of them. But there's still some guys in there, you know. If Ferguson's going to stay around, stay around, he can fight him. There's some other kind of up-and-coming guys, Grant Dawson, Jalen Turner. There's a lot of names in there. He has a lot, a lot of options. Hopefully he gets a good name. It's possible they also just give him another kind of up-and-coming guy. But this fight was pretty exciting. So hopefully he stays having exciting fights and no more big losing streaks. For Claudio, you know, this is a big setback. This was could have been, you know, his coming out moment, much like Chris Gutierrez had. But uh, he, he did not rise to the occasion. So he's going to fight, who knows, right? It's going to be another more unknown guy. Um may not on a pay-per-view, maybe on a fight night. He's going to have to build his way back. But he really needs to make his skill set more well-rounded. He cannot be a one-trick pony anymore. He's shown, you know, now other fighters know how to solve it. Okay, he's shown that it can be beat by just a guy being able to stay distant, avoid the leg lock issues, 
and, uh, you know, punch and kick him in the face. So he's going to have to really work on his game and work his way back up to a, a big opportunity like this again. Okay, he'll probably fight some other lowering guys, but he's young. He's super young. He's getting better. He represents Peru. There's not many Peruvian fighters that can help him out, you know, in the long run, get a good fan base. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where he goes, and we'll see how his game improves from here. But that's my coverage of UFC 281. Again, it was an amazing card. So many finishes. I think the entire card had three decisions, and they were all in either the early prelims or prelims. Main card was all finishes. The card as a whole broke the record for the most uh, first-round finishes on a UFC card. I think it had seven. It was crazy. The fights were exciting. A few kind of upsets, expected outcomes. And I uh, can't wait to see all these fighters back in here again. So thanks for listening to my coverage. See you next time.